This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Okay, what are we starting with? We're starting with a Mishnah. Starting with a Mishnah. Okay, so the Mishnah, we, we, we started Perkyavos. I don't know if you realize that, but we started Perkyavos between Pesach, like right after Pesach, until Shavuos. It's six weeks, actually. Let me just close this phone so it doesn't ring. Um, it's six weeks, and then from Shavuos till Sukkot. So we read Perkyavos starting last week, last Shabbos was the first um, Perek. Until until Sukkot. Why specifically at this time of year? Because it's when it starts to get nice and starts to get warm and people become more freer. They're not in school, they're in camp, whatever it is. So the Chacham understood that when it gets warm, Tznius is attacked, other things are attacked. So they pretty much gave this Pirkei which is the chapters of our fathers, which gives us the Hanhaga on how to act and how to live. And we're going to be doing a lot of Pirkei Elvis in the next couple of weeks. So, it's interesting because it starts off, um, it starts off with a, 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 it starts off like this, it's even before the first Mishnah. Before every parak, it starts off, Kol, Yisrael, Yeshlehem, Chelek, Lailam Haba. Every Jew has a portion in the next world. Okay? Why does it use the word Chelek? It should say, Kol Yisrael, Yeshlehem, Adam Haba. Every Jew has Adam Haba. Chelek is a portion. Okay? We'll see why that uses that word. Shinema, because it says, Tzadikim. Okay, first of all, you need to know that God thinks you're all Tzadikim. Everyone's a Tzadik. Everyone's a Tzadik. Every girl's a Tzadik. Every guy's a Tzadik. Tzadikista. Every guy's a Tzadik. It says very clearly, Shinema, it says in the Torah, not a Mishnah, the Torah says, kulum tzadikim. You're all tzadikim. That's how we start. We all start off as tzadikim. Lo'aylam They shall inherit the land. The, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, in which I take pride. Okay, we take pride. So, I have been talking about this for probably the last 30 years. And that is, what is life? What is life? I'm talking for 30 years, but no one knows what I'm saying. <laughs> life is potential. Death, shalom, is the end of potential. person dies, there's no more potential. That's why it's tragedy. Tragedy if someone dies, right? The biggest tzaddik, he lived for a hundred years, and he did every mitzvah in the world, and he's the biggest tzaddik, so... So why are we sitting Shiva? Like he left the world and he did all these mitzvahs. Baruch Hashem, why are we sitting Shiva? He's such a big tzaddik, right? And the answer is because even the biggest tzaddik, he, he can't do anything more. That's a tragedy. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos says, another Mishnah, that one moment in this world of doing good and learning Torah, one moment is worth more than the whole Olam Haba forever. What's Olam Haba worth? What's Olam Haba worth? Same Mishnah. One moment in Olam Haba, peacefully sitting in Olam Haba, right, in Gan Eden, is more than all the pleasures of the whole world forever. 
So now, one moment of pleasure in Olam Haba is greater than all the pleasure in this world. And one moment in this world of doing something is worth more than the whole Olam Haba. So what's life all about? Potential. Not just potential. You have to act on your potential. You can't just sit there and say, wow, I could be, I could have been, I should have been. That's not acting on your potential. It was a word that I hated. You should know, as a kid, I hated that word. Because they wrote that on the back of my report card every single time. They said, Wallstein has the most amazing potential, but he doesn't live up to it. And I got, wow, don't write I have potential. Say I'm stupid, I can't do anything, the kid has no potential, he's a loser. Okay, Baruch Hashem, you know, so that's not a word that I like. My father actually named the company, his plastic bag company, Potential Unlimited. That was the name of his company. But that's, as I grew older, I realized that that's the godless of a human being. So, so therefore, the way that it explains Elam Haba, it explains it as a chilek. It explains it as a chilek, as a portion, like a field. You have a, you have a piece of Elam Haba. Not you have Elam Haba, you have a piece of Elam Haba. What does that mean? So everybody when they're born, it's sort of like an artist who has a canvas that's totally blank, right? And it depends what you draw on that canvas. What you draw on that canvas is what's going to be there, right? So, what's more exciting? Having the painting already done or painting it? Of course, painting it because once it's done, it's not exciting anymore, right? The, the, what's the best example? Marriage, right? We get all excited. You get all excited, go to a wedding, they spend $50,000 and they got 12-piece band and they got food and a smorg and, and everyone's dancing and photography and flowers and wow! What are you getting so excited about? Who, who knows if this wedding's going to work? Who knows how long they're going to stay married? Maybe they're going to get divorced. Maybe they're going to be miserable. What are you dancing about? What are you so excited about? You know, I have a friend, he, when he sends a check for the wedding, he post-dates it five years. <laughs> I said, why would you do that? He says, I don't want to have to get divorced. I have to give them another check and another check. Let them stay married for five years. They can cash my check. <laughs> right? In the old days, they used to give United States bonds, which also takes like five, ten years. So, so what are you getting so excited about? What are you getting so excited about? Why are you spending all that money? What you should spend all the money is on the 50th anniversary. Imagine, 50 years together, right? So they're at least 70 years old. They got married when they were 20, right? 50 years together, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They still love each other, right? They still smile at each other. Amazing. You should make a wedding then. You should, 50 years together, they stayed married and they're happy? Big band. Okay, they can't hear anymore. The band's not going to help them much, right? They can't eat anything either, but... Big band and food and flowers. What do you do for the 50th anniversary? Take your parents, 50th anniversary, you take them out. Nice little restaurant. You invite the family, 20 people, 25 people. No flowers, no band, right? Mazel tov, 50th anniversary. You make a little film, right? That's it. Why? Because they lived their, most of their potential already. It's true, they should be married for 80 years, but they lived most of their potential already. Jewish people don't celebrate don't celebrate um, the consequence. They don't they don't they don't celebrate. We don't celebrate the goal. We celebrate the potential. 
So when you have two young people, or old people, it doesn't matter how old they are when they get married, and they're standing under the chuppah, and you're taking two single people, and you're putting them together, which, which, the, what is the potential of that? Potential of that as children, potential of that as a, as a home, potential of that as a home that's going to do chesed, potential of that's going to be children of, that are going to be tzaddikim. Wow! That's a reason to dance to go crazy. Because their potential is ahead of them. Marriage is not a goal. It's one of the biggest problems today. I'm dealing right now with someone who's just married four months and they're done. And I'm like, I, I, they're done and she doesn't even want to work on it because the marriage, to get married was her goal. She got married and then what? There's nowhere to go from there. Marriage, if marriage is a goal, you're in big trouble because now you stand on the chuppah, you're married and you show your ring and everybody knows you're married and so you're just like all the other girls in the class that are married and, and now... You, you, you got that was your goal. You look at each other. You're like, I don't really like you. I just wanted to get married, so I'd be married. And we got problems. Marriage is not a goal. Marriage is a means to reach a goal. So, the greatness of marriage is the potential. And shalom, peace, is the greatest greatest ingredient in any potential in life, in any relationship in life potentially relationship that will grow, the most important ingredient is peace. So, we start off before anything that everybody has this field. And what you're going to do in this field in Olam Haba is up to you. You're going to be busy watching TV and the movies and on your iPhone and busy with all the other stupidities in the world. And you're going to not work on that field. You're going to come up after 120 years. You're going to have weeds and thorns and holes in the ground. And nothing's there. But if you spend your whole life planting and planting and doing mitzvahs and all that, then you're going to have a beautiful field. Which reminds me of an unbelievable Mishnah in, in Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah says like this. It's very hard, very hard to understand this Mishnah. The Mishnah says that if... Two people are learning together. Right? Two girls are talking about Rabbi Wallstein's share, whatever. You're reviewing, you're learning and you're reviewing his share and you walk outside. And you know, in Flatbush right now, there's, um, there are many cherry blossoms. I don't know if you see these trees, like pink flowers all over the place, right? So you stop and you say, wow, look how beautiful that tree is. The mission says, you hear? Misa, what I do? You're walking with your friend, you're learning, and you stop and you say, Manoha Wow, what a beautiful tree I have created. Misa. The second part of the Mishnah. If you're walking by and near a a a plowed field, do you ever see a field? After it's plowed, all the brown dirt, like very, you see it in Eretz Yisrael a lot, right? So you're walking by this plowed field and you say, wow, what a beautiful field. So the first question on the Mishnah is, what are the two, what's, what is one thing I have to do? Like, I understand you're walking by a tree with beautiful flowers, right? Or, or a rose, and you're like, wow, that's gorgeous. What, what's gorgeous about walking by a, a dirt field? Why are they in the same Mishnah? And why altogether would someone stop and say, Wow, look at that dirt. That's just unbelievable. So the Chachamim say, 
and it answers the question. The Chachamim say something very interesting. Chachamim say that what what thing in the world that grows from the ground has the most potential? A tree. Why a tree? Because the tree of all the plants in the world gives the most. It gives shade. It gives fruit. It gives flowers. It gives it gives um, wood to build and wood for fire. I'm sure you all as little kids read the Giving Tree, right? It's a very famous story. So the tree, the tree really gives the most. So when you say how beautiful this tree is, what you're saying is, look at this potential of this tree. The same thing you're saying when you say it about a field. An unplowed field is full of potential. If you go buy a cornfield, it's all corn, there's no potential left, it grew. There's no potential. The, 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 the field is grown with corn. So the goal is the corn, you got the corn, but what's the potential in that field right now? Is there any potential in that field? No, there's reality in the field. There's corn. But if you have a field that's empty, that has nothing in it, that's crazy potential. Could be wheat, could be barley, could be corn, could be cucumbers, could be tomatoes, could be cotton, could be a cotton field where you're going to have clothing from it. There's nothing more potential than a field that isn't grown. So the two of them are in the same Mishnah because the tree has the most potential as far as the plant and the field has the most potential as far as, as, far as the ground is concerned. So why are you Mishchaya Benavshay? I would think, wow, look at those two girls. They're talking about Hashem's tree. That's a beautiful thing. And the answer is that if you're learning Torah, there's no greater potential in the world for a human being than learning Torah. If you stop learning Torah to say, look at the potential of the tree, wow. Look at the potential of the field, wow. What are you saying? That the Torah that I was learning doesn't have that potential. I stopped to say how beautiful that is. Why would you, if Torah had potential, why would you stop and look at the tree? So by looking at the tree and saying how beautiful it is, or looking at the field and saying how beautiful it is, what you're saying is that the Torah is not as beautiful. Your nefesh, if you're not learning, if you're not learning, if you're walking down the street and you're like, wow, look how beautiful Hashem is. Especially when you made a rough on the tree. Absolutely. But if you're learning, the missions you're talking about boys also. If, if I'm walking with my friend and I'm like, Look at the sunrise, look at the sunset, look at the mountains, look, you make brachas on this stuff. It's gorgeous. Beautiful, Kiddush Hashem. But if you're learning, and you stop learning to do it, uh-uh-uh. No good. So the first beginning of Pirkei Avos is telling us how important potential is. And I can tell you that, that it is definitely the greatest tragedy when you when you have somebody and 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 um, they don't they, they they have such crazy abilities and they just don't use them, it's, it just can drive you crazy. You have a kid that really has fantastic you know abilities and they're just sitting on the bench and they don't they don't they just don't want to get off. They don't want to do anything. The human being is all about potential. We're born. How come we're born the way that we're born? It's it's all connected. We're born. Baruch Hashem, I had a baby granddaughter this Friday. Her name is Hindi, um, after my grandmother, Hinda. Famous story with my grandmother that I've told many times on her yard site. My grandmother was a tzaddikist. She lived till around 95. 
and she was actually in the Hever Kadisha, Hever Kadisha of Washington Heights till she was 90. She could hardly see anymore. And at 90, they told her, we, Mrs. Holzer, we think you should, like, retire. <laughs> it was, like, the worst day of her life. She was 90 years old. She said, no, yeah. They said, eh, we think she was, like, Sebracha. Anyway, so the story with her, just going off the course a little bit, but the story with her was that, many stories with her, but one of the stories with her was that when she was in the Philippines, my, my, my grandparents, my mother, um, when they tried to get into America, they didn't let them. So they sent them to the Philippines because the Philippines sort of belonged to the United States. And when my mother got to the Philippines, it was under the United States and the Japanese came and killed all the Americans and then the Americans came back and killed all the Japanese. That was during World War II. So my mother was there for like seven, eight years. She actually, um, she actually went to school in a Christian monastery. Um, there was nothing, no Jews over there, whatever it is. And she still remembers the Japanese anthem. National anthem. But anyway, so my grandmother, she was unbelievable. All she got out of Germany when she ran away was a sewing machine. She was unbelievable. She knew how to sew. Unbelievable. And the, the Japanese did not like whites. They had nothing against Jews. They didn't even know what a Jew was. But they were yellow and they didn't like whites. So they killed white people. They killed America. They killed white people. So why didn't they kill my grandmother and my grandfather and my mother and her brother? Since she knew how to sew... They used to wear the kamikazes who took their planes and crashed into the boats. They wore a, like a, 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 a kerchief in the front with the rising sun on their head. And, um, they needed someone to sew those together. So my grandmother used to sew those. And that's why they, she, they were the, they were the only Pesach Seder when the American soldiers came. All the Jewish soldiers came. My grandmother told me there were, I think, 20 Jewish soldiers. And Pesach night by the Seder, they all shared, plus the families, they all shared one chicken. That's all they had was one chicken. But we don't even understand. We're, 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 we're going to the, to the hotels, right? One chicken? What would happen if they served you one chicken? Forget about it. You have to have at least five chicken in one portion. But anyway, so she had to go to the mikvah. She was from. There's no mikvah in the Philippines. So she went to the ocean. She went to the Pacific Ocean with the other Jewish lady, who I met her son actually two nights ago in the hospital, famous Dr. Hershout, should never know from him. Um, and Mrs. Hershout and my, my grandmother went. And my grandmother went into the ocean, and you have to have a woman watch that you go down. And when they came out of the ocean, the Japanese soldiers caught them. Now, how do you explain to Japanese soldiers that there's two women in the ocean <laughs> in the middle of the night? So they said they're American spies. And that they were flashing Morse code to the boats. So they're done. They're going to kill them. They're going to talk about Explain to that Jewish woman, what are you doing? In, in, you know, you went for a swim in the middle of the night? So the Japanese sentry took the two of them, pretty much smacked them around, to his captain. And my grandmother knew it's over. So there's nothing to talk about. He's going to kill both of them. They, Japanese have no problem killing people. And he started talking Japanese. And they didn't know how to talk Japanese. They only knew how to talk German. So they, he was talking Japanese, and they were talking German, and they didn't understand each other. And he kept tr- trying to find out what, what they were doing. Anyway, so every time they answered back to him, he beat them. And he beat them, and he beat them, and he beat the two of them. They were both little women. And he beat them, and finally they both realized, just be quiet. And for some reason, my grandmother said it was a nice nifla. 
that he let them go. He just they just beat them up really bad and they let them go. When she was in my house, she was in her nineties, she said to me, I wish I would have let him beat me more. I said, Oma, she's German. I said, Oma, why would you say that? She said, Every time he hit me under my breath, I said, Another year, Hashem, another year, Hashem. Every time I got a beating, I said, You have to give me another year for this. Because she went for it to do a mitzvah. That's who they were. Not! Why are you doing this to me, Hashem? Our generation, right? I went to the mikvah, I was Moisinefesh, and God, look what you did to me. You beat me up! I don't, I'm leaving this religion. This whole religion is baloney. I went to do a mitzvah. Zeus Torah, Zeus Chayra. I went to do a mitzvah. I got beat up for it. No, not that generation. She's like, I'm getting hit for a mitzvah? Another year, Hashem. So she told me, she said, I would have been hit a lot more. I probably lived to 120. So I wish I would have gotten hit more. We, we, we don't even understand the change. Where did the channel change? From these people to where we are today. Anyway, that's, that's who my granddaughter's name after. Hashem. That was Hinda, which actually spells Hashem's name backwards. Aleph, Dalad, Nun, Yud, Hey. The word Hinda backwards is Hashem's name. So my grandmother had a very, very holy name. Anyway, I don't know how I got off to that subject. But the reason I got off to that subject is because I want to talk about babies for a minute. I'll tell you two unbelievable stories about babies. One from a Sefer, one from a different Sefer. So, so we're born, we're born with the most potential that Hashem could give us. We don't talk. So we have, we don't talk. So we have the potential of one day talking. We don't have teeth. We have the potential of growing teeth, being able to chew food. We can't walk. We have the potential of one day walking. We can't even see when we're born. Just little images. You can't really see. One day we're going to see everything. We don't walk. We don't, we don't, we don't, we can't chew, right? Everything that a human being is born is as primitive as humanly possible. A horse, I was in Eretz Yisrael, I saw a horse be born on a kibbutz. The horse, the, the, the horse lays down, the baby's born, the horse pops up, the baby starts walking around. I'm like, a horse walks around right away. Nah, oh look, she turned over. Oh look, she's crying. Oh my God, she's standing holding on. Oh, now she's walking. Picture, 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 right? Because Hashem doesn't make it that we pop up, we get born, and you're standing. No. First you have to roll over. And you know the first time you roll over, what happens? You fall off the bed. Because until then, you never roll over. Anyone who's a mother knows that. The first time you know that your kid rolls over is when they go plop. Because until then, they didn't roll over, so you put them on the bed. Oh, she rolls over. Thank God. It's carpet. It's this, it's that, whatever. Baruch Hashem. Right? So... So we can't even roll over. Can you imagine? The cat in the house is looking. It's like, look, they're getting excited about it. They roll over and the cat rolls over a hundred times. The cat, it's born in one second, it can roll over. If you get excited, it rolls over and then the babies actually don't even crawl. They go, they rock first. First they rock. They don't, they can't crawl right away. Baby's rocking. <gasps> look, the baby's rocking. Picture, picture, picture. Baby's rocking. The cat's like rocking. What is this? I got born. I was, I was up and running in five seconds. Look at these people. Look at these human beings. Why? Why? Why do we have to cut teeth? It's so painful to cut teeth. Why aren't we born with teeth? So the, the Zaya says, because then we would hurt our mother when we nurse. Everything Hashem has a cheshman. Your teeth don't come in pretty much till much later. Everything has a cheshman. We're born primitive. We're born not doing anything. Why? Because life is potential. And if you're born walking, 
talking, seeing, hearing, doing everything for yourself, 90% of your potential is over. So we're born the most primitive of anything in the world. A little mosquito. The smallest little mosquito gives birth to a mosquito, the baby mosquito flies immediately. It doesn't sit there on the floor starting to walk, then I'll go up a little bit, I'll try it. Boom! It's flying right away. A mosquito, and you're a human being, and you can't walk, and you can't talk, and you can't do anything? The answer is no. Hashem wants you to be at the lowest part of your being so that your potential is even greater. That's life. That's what we're all about. It's all about growth. That's what life is all about. And that's why the first part of Pirkei Obos is, number one, everyone has a chilek l'olam haba. A chilek means you have the potential to develop it into anything that you want to develop it. So let me tell you my story. My first story from Geshe Chaim, which is an amazing, amazing story, which is against the atheists in the world. But it explains how they think. And the Geshe Chaim, I don't have it with me, but this is pretty much the story that he says. He says there's twin babies in a mother's womb. And they talk to each other. So they're all squished, right? They're all squished together. And they talk to each other. And one says, you know, I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw that after nine months, we get pushed out of this squishy, hot, Uchi chamber, dark, right? With our fingers up our nose and our knees in our, in our throat, right? If you see how a baby's packed in. By the way, it's a miracle because if you take the baby out and you, any doctor will tell you this, if you take the baby out and you try to put it back in the same space, it won't fit. Because the, ba- the baby grows from within. It's a, it's a fact. It will not fit back into the womb. The same thing, if you take dirt and you dig a hole in the ground, and then you put the same amount of dirt back into the hole, it will not be full. There's a whole reason, there's a whole thing behind it, but whatever it is, you can't put the baby, the baby will never fit into that space again. So, these two babies are there, and this guy has a dream, and he tells us, nine months, there's going to be a little pushing, and pushing, and pushing, and we're going to get into this really narrow place, and we're going to get pushed out, and there's a world, there's light, and colors, and you're going to, we're going to eat. We're going to taste things. And we're going to touch things. And we're going to feel things. And we're going to hear sounds. And he's telling his brother, his twin brother, all these exciting things that he had in his dream. And his brother is, you're nuts. It's a dream. This is where we live. There's no such a thing as food. Through the umbilical cord, that's how we eat. And his brother said, you know, when we get out of here, you go to the bathroom. He's like, you don't go to the bathroom. We're both in here. We never went to the bathroom. We don't go to the bathroom. We don't eat. We don't go to the bathroom. And he says, it's so silly what you're saying that when you go out into the world, you have to breathe. And if you don't breathe, you said in your dream, if you don't breathe, you're going to die. We were in here ready for four months. Neither one of us took a breath. Your whole story is a lie. It's a fantasy. It's a lie. It can't be. Look, we don't eat. We don't go to the bathroom. We don't breathe. There's no such world. You're talking about a world. There's no such world. Just be satisfied that we're squished like this and this is how we're going to be forever. Okay? Nine months come and labor begins. And the brother that believes is first. 
and he's getting pushed out. And he's telling his brother, you see, I told you, nine months, we're going to go into this unbelievable world, vision and food and smelling and touching and all the five senses. I am so excited. He's like, no, we're dying. You fall out of this black place that we're in into a black hole, it's over. Your dream is a fantasy. And the brother gets pushed out. It's an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable Gesher Chaim. Because listen to what happens. The brother gets pushed, pu- gets pushed out, and now he's out. What's the first thing a baby does? So the other baby, the other baby that's in the womb, right? Here's his brother crying, screaming. I know it, he's dying. I was right. I can't go out. I gotta stay in here. As long as you're in here, you're alive. And then all the world, it's a big black hole, and you die. You die right away. Right? So he starts, listen, unbelievable Gesher Chaim. He starts pulling on the umbilical cord to pull his brother back in. He's like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. I'm not going to let you die. He starts pulling. The doctor cuts the umbilical cord. And he pulls it. Oh my God. My brother's gone. It's over. He's gone. And the brother comes into this world and he's hugged by a, a warm mother and he's nursed. This, he's coming from a dark place where there was nothing and his first breath can you imagine a baby's first breath he never took a breath in his life his first breath and his body turns from blue to, to pink and, and he feels his mother he feels warmth and, and, he, and he hears they hear right away and he hears sounds and he's like oh my gosh that dream was true and he's so excited the other brother's like there's no way I'm coming out my brother died it's all quiet hear it screaming umbilical cord is disconnected that's where they were getting their, their nutrition from. And now it got quiet. He's, my brother died. And he doesn't come down. And he doesn't make it. The second brother doesn't make it because he won't come down. So this is Gesher Chaim. So Gesher Chaim says that we're told that this is not the real world. And we're in this world it's a dark world, whatever it is. It doesn't compare, again, to one second in Ghanedin. We're told that in the next world, it's a whole different thing. You're out of your body. It's an out-of-body experience. The neshama is connected to Hashem. It's a whole unbelievable thing. And everyone's like, scared to die. Because we don't really believe it. Honestly, with everyone in this room, including to me, if you really believed it, Whenever the, your time is up, your time is up. What's so scary about it? I'm going to a place, right? But we don't really believe, really believe this place is a much better place. Deep down, you go into your real psyche. I know we all have a Muna and we learn about Adam Haba and Ganeiden and Ganeiden and Ganeiden. When it comes really down to it, like no one's excited about going there so fast. Like Hashem, like take your time. Take your time. Like uh, delay the plane. You know what I mean? Like I'm not in a big rush. We're not in a big rush to get this. You don't really believe deep down in your heart. Like the second boy, the second son. Like, like when I leave this world, when the time comes, I'm going to see from one side of the world to the other. I'm going to be free of this body. This free of this body, just the opposite. I'm going to be free of this body. I don't have to eat food anymore. I don't have to drink water anymore. I don't have to breathe anymore. I'm alive without all those things. Wow. But we don't really believe that. Interesting thing. A rabbi, I don't know who said it. He said that when a person's born... And the Shama comes into this world. Then the Shama cries. The baby cries. Because the Shama knows where it's coming into. And everybody else, 
laughs and claps and is besimcha. He said, when Neshama leaves this world, everybody else cries, and the Neshama laughs. The opposite. When you come in, the Neshama cries, the people laugh. When you leave, the people cry, the Neshama laughs. It's just the opposite. So the Gesher HaChaim says, if you really have a Muni, you understand that when you cut the umbilical cord, when you cut the Yenika to, to goof, to physical, when you cut your umbilical cord to the physical world, that's when you become, that's when you really live. That's when you become free. It's a hard thing for a human being. I'm not telling you, you know, it's a hard thing for a human being to accept. But Lemai says the other world, that's the real world. And that's what the mission says. That one second in that world is greater than, in greater than all the, all the, this world, all the enjoyment that you can have. The reason I'm talking about babies, because this week's parasha talks about babies. A woman becomes pregnant and she has a baby boy. Okay. I have five daughters. Every single year for like 25 years I bought this week's parasha Sazria Shalashudas. Hoping. Right? Right? Okay. But anyway, I'm very happy with my girls. Um, and now I have Leanne and a lot of grandsons. So, so it says like this. She's tame for seven days and then 33 days. Okay? Seven days and then 33 days. If she had a boy, if she has a girl, she's tame double. She's tame 14 days and 66 days. So the, so some people think, oh sure, you have a boy, so you tame much less than you have a girl because it's a boy. Nah, that's not the reason. The reason's very, very deep. And it connects very much to the whole shir tonight. It connects to potential. A boy... Okay, so let me explain to you something about Tumma. How Tumma works. Why is someone... Why does someone become Tameh? So, if somebody dies, Chas Shalom, Right? If someone dies, so... A Kayin can't touch the body. You can't... A Kayin can't even go into the room that the body's in. The whole room becomes Tama. What is this Tama? What is this? What is this? Tuma is when Kedusha, holiness, leaves. When it leaves, there's a void where the Kedusha was. Replacing the Kedusha that left comes the Tuma. Bigger, the bigger the Kedusha, the bigger the Tuma. Okay? The bigger the purity that left, the bigger the impurity that comes in. Now, when a Jewish person who has an neshama passes away, so there's a great void. There was a great kedusha, a neshama, right, that left. What replaces that neshama in the body is a great tumah. And therefore, by a human being, a kain can't even go into the room. By, by a Jew, a kain can't go in, in, into the room. By a non-Jew, it's touching. It's not the room. Okay. The reason that a woman a woman becomes tameh once a month. Why should she become Tame? Why? Because once a month she has the potential to have a child. When the egg is produced, right, in the, in the woman's body, she has the potential, doesn't matter how old she is, her body, her body has the potential because now the egg is produced, so the body has the potential to have a child. When that egg is washed out of the body, so that kedusha of that egg, because that potential of the egg is to have the child, now the egg is is voided, so there's a huge void. So what we what fills that void 
is Tumah. Okay? That's why a woman becomes Tumah. That's the whole reason. Because every month there's a Kedusha that comes to her body. The ability, the potential. It's all about potential. Potential to have a child. And therefore when it leaves the body and it does, you don't become pregnant, right? Then therefore the body didn't become pregnant because it's not married or it's a young whatever it is. Therefore that, that is called, that is, that is why Tumah comes to the body. Now, a woman who has a daughter, so now the daughter is born. So she lost two things. She lost the child, she didn't lose Chatham. The child left her body, so the boy left the mother's body. So because he left the body and he was a, a child and he was Kadosh, so now there's a tumor that comes in for 33 days, right? There's a certain tumor. But the girl, since she herself, the baby girl, she herself has the potential to become a mother. So the mother lost two things. She lost the child like the boy left, but she also left the, she lost the potential of another woman that was in her to have a child. So she's double. She lost double potential. She lost the girl, plus the girl is the potential of becoming a mother. The boy is not, is not, doesn't have a womb of creating a child, of carrying a child. So therefore, she's double what the boy is. She lost double potential. It's all about potential. All about potential. A young girl who's 10 years old, 11 years old, 9 years old, 7 years old, who does not produce an egg, therefore that potential does not exist once a month in her body, therefore she's not Tamay. Therefore she doesn't become Tamay. The whole Yiddishkeit is based on potential. And the loss of potential, outside of being tragedy, Actually, the loss of potential can cause tumah. And that's this week's pasha. That's right. This week's pasha is Ishiki says we will be old as Zachar. She, when she gives birth to a girl, double potential is lost. The child itself, and this child has the ability of bringing other children in the world. So she's worth double. It's not that the boy is worth more, just the opposite. The girl, the voiding of this girl is double the kedusha, which causes double the tumah. Everybody follow that? Not so hard to, uh, okay. Also in this week's parashel, very interesting. And then we'll end with something very important. Um, so this is something that I say every year. I don't know if I say it here, but I say it by the boys here. It talks about Saras. We're not going to talk about Saras today, maybe we'll talk next week. Saras comes from Moshin Hara, right? Um, from talking Moshin Hara because the person who talks Moshin Hara usually talks Moshin Hara because she wants to be social, right? So, if I talk Lashon Hara, you're all listening to Lashon Hara, so you're my friends, right? And the more Lashon Hara I tell you about everybody else, you're my friend. So, it, it makes me very social. It's used as a, so, a social tool, sure. You want to, you know, sometimes you even come, like, like you have to be careful. Like, you, you come home to your wife, and you got a good piece of Lashon Hara, and you know that's going to end up in a big, long discussion. You know, I say, well, now let's speak Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara, you talk to, to be, we one of the group, one of the chavra, they're all listening to you. So, Taras, which is leprosy, causes you to leave the machaneh and you have to be all by yourself. So the punishment for it is, you why the head and hurt other people with saying bad about other people to make friends, the punishment is no friends. You have to be chutzah machaneh all by yourself. Now, they come to the coin and they have this leprosy, right? This disease on their hands. And it has all kinds of alakas, it has to be, look like 3D, whatever it is. Now the coin is the only one that can make the person tameh and he's also the only one can make the person tahar. Okay? So listen to this. Uh, 
Pasuk Gimel, in the first, in the beginning, Pasuk Gimel says the following, The Kohen sees the disease, in the, in the flesh of the person, and it looks 3D. It actually looks 3D. The Kohen looks at it. The Timur also, and he makes him Tomei. Why does it say he looks at it again? The Pusik starts off with Rahakayan. Kohen looked at it. And the Pusik ends And he looked at it again. Why do you have to look at it again? When he saw it the first time, he real, he's, he's like a doctor. He knows what Saras looks like. Why do you say you're Tomei? We learn from here. That before you make another Jew Tame, before you decide that another Jew is no good, you got to look twice. You, even if you're the biggest Kohen in the world and you know exactly what it looks like, no Kohen. You cannot make him Tame by looking at him once. You need to look at him twice. Before you judge a person, another Jew, take another look. Maybe you're going to find something good about them. Take another look. It's very, 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 very important. So it's a big Musa Hasa. I don't know who says it. Um, maybe maybe the Baditchevo. I'm not sure who says it. But um, yeah, we have to be very careful on how and how we judge other people, other Jews. Okay, I want to end off this week's parsha. So something that's very interesting about mothers, and I did I, I knew a little bit about, it, but I didn't know it was so chashiv, and also about benching your children. Right? So, so because we're talking about, because we're talking about children, this week's parsha, he says the following. Number one. Now this is, this is from the Oitzah Place Torah. He says the following. You know, all these people now that get up and speak, including me, and how to treat your kids and show them love and all that. You think it's our idea? You think we came up with this in this generation? No. Mothers and fathers, they should have their eyes in their head. To give to their sons and daughters an amazing love at eight with no end. All the water in the world should not be able to, to, to extinguish the love of parents to their children. You should know. If you give your children your children will not go off the derech. What they learned by their parents' house when they were children. With love. The, the oils that my mother rubbed on me when I was a child it's keeping me healthy now in my in my old age. Okay? That's number one. So it's not our idea that you should give your children a lot of love. But he says here that if you give your children a lot of love, you're guaranteed they won't go off to death. Now this is what he says. Rabbeinu Bachai, listen to this. This is, this is for all of you. This is Rabbeinu Bachia. Shiroi le'isha le'isbalo la'ashem yisbarach that it's correct for a woman to pray to God, and to beg him for children that are going to be straight and tzaddikim, when? 
And when they light the candles for Shabbos, ki atfilah, when the, the tefillah that they say at the candles, yoyse nishvaz b'shat v'siyas ha-mitzvah, is much greater when they do this mitzvah. Uvizchus ne'er Shabbos, in the schus of Shabbos, who are, that, because it's light, tiskil abanam balitori nikras are. They will have children that are, um, that are going to be full of Torah. The Ebsher, he says, maybe the reason that the Magen Avram says, Noyeg l'nashek, and I don't do this, and I gotta start doing this. Noyeg l'nashek yidei imo. The Magen Avram in Shulchan Aruch says that every Friday night you need to go to your mother, and you need to kiss her hands. Girls too. Girls and boys. Bilel Shabbos Kodesh, why? So he says, maybe the reason is because since Lil Shabbos, the mother is specifically davening by the candles that her children should be tzaddikim. Therefore, the children should kiss her hands and thank her that she davened for them. And then he says, it's a Sephardi custom, but it's not because it's not, the Morgan of Rome is not Sephardi. Okay? And then he says, It's the minute of, uh, of the father to bench his his boys and his girls below Shabbos. To to use the bracha, he simchol akim kifrayim chanasha, or he simchol akim kisar rifka bracha b'leya. And you should know that you have to bench your kids even after they're married, not only when they're little. My father used to do this. And he and he and he he benches after the wedding. I'll read this and we'll finish. He says the following. Every person, every child, every person, should strengthen themselves and make it a regular thing. Ma'od, very much. To get benched by his mother and his father. Even if you don't live with them anymore. And you live far away. Don't be lazy. To go every Friday night or go Friday afternoon. The Yomo and during the day. My father used to bench me during the day too. Uva Chagim and Anyantiv. The Nashiki Dayem. To kiss your parents' house. Uh, kiss your parents' hands. Uva Kawa Bechasam. And to get a bracha from them. Shemavacha Bachi Kwebulis Kamash. This bracha that your parents give you will definitely come true. Why? Al Shahim Mavacham Oisim Alev. Because they're benching you with, a, with their heart. Uva Nefesh and with their soul. Believe Shalim with a whole heart. Karachim Allah Banam. Like a parent has, has pity on his children. And according to his words, it's no difference whether you're single or you're married. There's no bigger When you go to get a bracha from your father, you're showing your father, I believe that you have the power to give me a bracha. A person who cares about his soul, we're very careful to keep this mitzvah. And the mitzvah is to get benched by your parents. And if you're a parent, the mitzvah to bench your children. And specifically to kiss your mother's hand Friday night. It's not a Sephardi minig, it's a Mugin Avraham. The reason the Mugin Avraham brings down, just to show you how, how he cares, is that the mother is sitting there, she did all the work a whole week. Father shows up Friday night, right? She did everything. He shows up Friday night. The kids all line up in front of him. He's benching them. She's sitting at the table like, hello. You know, I did all the work and you get to bless them. Well, Abraham says, make sure that every single one that gets benched goes straight to his mother to give her a kiss, to show her that you're just, you're just, just as important. 
I don't think people realize. I had a whole discussion with a girl today. I don't think we realize what Yiddishkeit is all about. The love and the caring and how much Hashem loves us. By the way, you should just know that if someone comes to a coin with Tsaras and the coin sees the Tsaras and he knows it's Tsaras and he's supposed to say Tomei, right? And he sees the Tsaras and he's about to say Tomei, I'm a coin, right? Guy comes up to me and says, Rebbe, I think I have Tsaras. I look at it, it has all the symbols. I'm about to say Tomei. Once I say Tomei, he's Tomei. He says, but, but I forgot to tell you something. I'm like, okay, what? I got married last night. I'm in Sheva Brachas. The halacha is that even though I know that it's Tomei, I have to say Tahar. I have not just look the other way. I have to say, oh, that? That's okay. That's Tahar. What's going on over here? You're not allowed to take the, the Hassan away from his Kawa doing Sheva Brachas. So since it's Sheva Brachas, the Kayin is not allowed to say Tomei. He has to say Tahar. What is Hashem telling us here? Am I lying? Girls, am I lying? I'm lying. It's Tomei. I'm saying Tahar. I'm a liar. I'm a Kayin. I'm looking at something. I'm looking at Chazer. And I'm saying, Oh, Kasher. I'm looking at Pesach's pig. And I'm saying, Oh, that's not pig. Sheva Brachas. That's not pig. That's a... Shalit. Flanken. God says... What is truth? Truth is when you make shalom. So even though I see something that's Tameh, if I would take him away from his wife and doing Sheva Brachas, I would be breaking their shalom. So God says, I love you so much that even though my Torah says it's Tameh, I will break my Torah to make peace. And the same thing is by a Saita. When a man thinks his wife was, did something with a man in a room and he accuses her. So they take the pasha of Saita that has God's name in it and they dip it in water and they erase Hashem's Yud Kevav, his real name, into the water and she drinks the water. And everybody asks, write something else. Write something else. Hashem's name? Hashem says, I will erase my name, which is the biggest I've ever in the world. I will erase my name to prove that she is holy and she didn't do anything wrong, to bring them back together again. By Hashem, the shalom between a, a woman and her husband can take something that's totally Tameh, and the Kohen is, has to say Tahar. That's our God. Not the one that everyone's pointing fingers, he's mean, he's this, he's evil, he's that. God says, Kohen, you work for me? It's Tameh? No, you say Tahar. That's who Hashem is. May we all get closer to him as soon as possible. Good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.